We are studying this book in Ephesians, and, uh, and the question is why? why? Why are we doing this? Well, uh, you'll remember that last week we said that the book of Ephesians is a lot like a, uh, a mirror, and I have upgraded from last week. I, I kind of had like a puny little Beauty and the Beast type mirror, so I thought I'd like bust out the big guns this time. So um, those of you, I, I realize that this might be a temptation for you sitting right there, so don't make faces at yourself while you're doing this, but we're looking in the mirror. God's Word, when we open up the book of Ephesians, is trying to help us see when we look into these truths, it tells us this is who we are. Now, why is that important? Well, there's a danger, right? Because our culture is screaming, trying to get our attention. And they're over here trying to say, look over here. Look at these mirrors. This is what you need to look at. This is what you need to read. This is what you need to see. This is who you need to be. This is what you need to look like. This is how you need to think. This is who you are, right? Have you read this one? You read this issue? No? No, of course you have. This is woman's world, all right? This is a metaphor, man. So, so really, we... it might be models it might be magazines, it might be movies, it might be social media, or maybe you're looking in the mirror trying to uh, like, like pay attention and keep up with the Joneses, and, and, and you got to have the toys, you got to have the treasure, or maybe it's your friends or your families or their opinions and, and, and what people think, or, or maybe it's just that idea of following your heart, right? The essence of every Disney movie you've seen since you were a kid. But at the heart of it all, it's like, if you look here, this is how you'll know who you are. This will define your identity. And all the while, God is standing over here with the book of Ephesians open, and he's saying, no, 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 look, look here. This is what I want you to see. And what is it that we see when we look into the mirror of God's word here in Ephesians? Well, what is it? What is it we see? Well, we see this. Uh, you'll remember this phrase. Uh, we see that we are in Christ. You see, that phrase is so central to understanding the message of Ephesians. In fact, Paul has used that phrase uh, almost a dozen times in the first 14 verses. When you look, the contents in this mirror are in Christ, which means if you're not in Jesus, you're not going to see this here. But for those of us who know Jesus, when we look into this mirror, this is what we're seeing. In fact, You'll remember in this section here, we're looking at the verses 3 through 14. Uh, Paul just kind of, he skips over any of the small chit-chat and he just dives right in, right? Uh, the, the, these verses from 3 to 14 is one long, continuous, run-on sentence in the Greek. It's kind of like Paul just dove right into the deep end in theology and he forgot to come up and take a breath, right? He's just so overwhelmed with the gospel because this is who we are in Christ. But anybody who uses their time to chase their identity over here in these mirrors that the world says we need to look at, eventually their chin hits their chest as they drown in despair because in their heart of hearts, they know there's no hope here. And how many of you know some people that like, in the eyes of the world, like, man, they, they, they look the part. They, they, like, they've made it. They've arrived. And when you look at them, you're like, that's who I want to be. Like that, that, and, and, and how many of those people, you know some of them, even though they looked the part, it seems like they've made it in the eyes of the world. They're turning to substances or 
any kind of distractions to numb the pain and preoccupy their minds so they won't have to face the reality that they are in reality empty and broken and their world is in chaos and there's not even a whisper of a happy ending. They have no hope. And why do they have no hope? Turn to your neighbor and say, wrong mirror. They got the wrong mirror. What we're looking at in the mirror of God's Word here in Ephesians, uh, as we saw last week, it's it's kind of this encouragement. Hey, lift up your head. Lift, Lift up your head. You are chosen. We are chosen by God. And it's not based on our performance. God chose us out of His grace because He loves us. And what we're going to see this morning is that we have hope in Christ. That's actually our big idea this morning. We have hope. Can anybody use some hope this morning? Well, let's look in the mirror of God's Word then. Ephesians chapter 1. You follow along with me. We're picking up in the middle of this section here in verse 7. Right? You follow along with me as I read. Paul says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, and having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who are the first to, there it is, hope, in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Father, would you even speak to us from your word this morning? We, we invite you and we're eagerly anticipating that you would reveal these truths to us. And we know this and sometimes uh, we, we just need to be reminded again of all the blessings, what it means for us to look into this mirror and see that we are in Christ. Would you help us to reject the mirrors of this world? God, we're tired of looking there. And would you give us hope this morning? Give us hope in the gospel and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have hope, and there are a lot of reasons, but if I could uh, boil it down for you, here are two. Uh, Note this, we have hope because Jesus sets all things right. Jesus sets all things right. And so um, we're actually not talking to those of you who have it all together this morning. Um, we're, We're talking to normal people that are kind of prepared to admit that I don't really get my kicks from checking myself out in the mirror. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, uh, but this seems to be happening on a more frequent basis in my life. I'll wake up in the morning and I go into the bathroom and I see myself in the mirror and I am greeted by a less than awesome dose of reality. Know what I'm talking about? You're like, what happened? Like, how in the world did that get there? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? That's the feeling of when you, you look at yourself and you realize, I'm a mess. And I need help. And of course, we're not really talking about the way we look. How many of you have ever come to that point in your life where you looked at your life and you realized, I'm a mess. I need help. And maybe some of you are kind of even wrestling with that now. You feel like, 
I mean, marriage is kind of rocky lately, or man, at work it's just stressful and not happy there, and 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 uh, I, I feel like I'm fighting temptation, and and I it feels hopeless, doesn't it? Well, I'm telling you what God's word tells us this morning is we have hope because Jesus sets all things right, and first He sets all things right in my life. That's a personal reality. Crazy thing is, I. I, had, I may have had a sense that I was messed up, but I didn't even know how bad it was until I really looked into the mirror of the gospel and it revealed to me how, how awful and how messed up I really was, how dire the situation was. Because I was a sinner. I was an enemy of God. I deserved his wrath. I deserved his judgment. That's how messed up I am. But look what we get, verse 7. Instead, in him, when I look in the mirror now, we have redemption through His blood. That, that idea of redemption means that there was a debt. There was a ransom that needed to be paid. That's how bad it was. And yet, in Christ, it's paid for through His blood because Jesus spilled His blood on the cross so that I could be made right with God. So I have redemption. And then it says, verse 7, that, that we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. Uh, so uh, that idea of trespasses is the idea of uh, uh, stepping over the line. I just picture a, a no trespassing sign. Or better yet, picture a kid. And you tell this kid, uh, hey, listen, I, I don't want you to cross this line, okay? You can, go, you can go anywhere else. You got all this area over here. You go play, but don't cross this line. What's the kid going to do? He's going to test the boundary, right? He's going to see if he's, he's going to see if you're looking. He's going to put this foot over the line. Don't! And you, oh, he's going to get frustrated. And, and then he's really going to test. He, he stays close, pushing that boundary. Eventually he tries again. Don't! He's getting angry. He's getting frustrated. And then eventually what's he going to do? I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. I'm going my way. I don't care what you say. Now listen, that's, that's kind of an affront, an offense to a holy God. But you've got to remember, he's also a loving God. Remember, when God says don't, what he really means is don't hurt yourself. And so how foolish is it for us to just decide, like, I don't care. what you, I know you say I shouldn't do this, but I think I got this one. I can determine what's best for me. I'm going to do it. I don't want you telling me what to do. And so we cross the line and we fall right over the cliff. And we're a mess. And now we're dealing with the consequences of our sin. And the worst part is we realize it's our fault. And we've sinned against God. But what do we have here? We have redemption. We have forgiveness. It's paid for. It's done. You're cleared. You will never be under condemnation. Look at it in verse 7. You have the forgiveness through his blood and according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. I, I love this because we are, we are not forgiven on a one-to-one -one account. Uh, like, like he just owes. What, what, he's like, okay, you sinned uh, this many times and so... That means that I need to pay. How much do I need here? This will cover it. That's not the way it works. It's not according to the amount of our sin. It's not according to our sins. What's it according to? The riches of his grace. And I love this word that he lavished on us. It has this idea of overwhelming abundance. God just pours it on. There's never going to be a time where God's riches run out. His riches are infinite. There will never be a moment where he's doling out, hey, you need some grace? I'm going to give you some grace. And, hey, let me give, give you some grace. And then he looks back and realizes like, man, we're running low. We're going to have to ration this out. Not going to happen. I don't stand under a trickle of grace hoping that I'm going to have enough to drop on me and cover me. 
I am plunged into an ocean of grace that will never run dry. That's hope. God has given us an incredible hope in the gospel. So it doesn't matter how bad it looks when you look in the mirror. You know why? Look at it. He lavished this upon us in all wisdom and insight. You know what that means? God knew. God knows you better than you know yourself. And he saw your heart when you kept stepping over the line. And he saw you in the shadows when you thought no one was looking. We kind of hate that. that We fear being found out. We try to hide because that's a terrifying feeling that somebody could see us and they would know how messed up we really are. And so we try to hide from that. And yet, can I just tell you that the gospel gives us the reality and a reason for hope is that God already knows. And verse 9, he is making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. He knew. This was his plan all along. That Jesus sets all things right in my heart, my life. What does that mean for me this morning? What does that mean for you? Well, don't despair. You have no reason to despair and drop your head in hopelessness. If you're struggling with who you are, feeling confused or hopeless about your life, you've forgotten the gospel. If you're in Christ, He has set all things right in your life. And if you are right with God, then guess what? You're all right. And it's kind of amazing the things that we will fret about. We get frustrated with work. We get anxious about our finances. We have tension in our relationships. We start comparing ourselves to others. And then we look at ourselves and we just start feeling hopeless. And i got to admit, if I'm allowed to do that, uh, I, I, here I was this week, I'm preparing this, and I'm getting ready to tell you, don't despair. There's hope. You have hope in the gospel. This, and, and then it hit me on Friday. I've been studying this and seeing this, and, and then I started playing like some of that comparison game and feeling like I needed some affirmation. And so I was kind of down. Kids could tell. Decided I need to just take the trash out. I need to go uh, get some, get a, get a breather, get outside. I'm going to start praying. I start throwing a little pity party for myself. And God's like, really? Kind of like if you take your kids to the fair, and uh, let's just say you took them to the fair, and, and you're going to, we're going to go play some games. We're going to ride some rides. We're going to get you a funnel cake. We're going to get you cotton candy, one of those uh, uh, deep fried snicker bars or deep fried butter or whatever else you want to fry up. Like you're going to get all this. We're going to get ice cream. You get all sorts of stuff. And they're still crying about something. And you're like, really? Like, do you know what we have? God had to take me out on this one. This will challenge your assumptions. This will change your perspective. You have the riches of his grace lavished upon you. You have a God who reveals and who shares his purposes with you. He forgives you. He knows it all. And you're forgiven. And he loves you. And so my mood, my attitude is not dependent on my circumstances because I go back to the gospel and I realize, man, I always have reason for hope. So don't despair. 
and don't look around at all the wrong mirrors, okay? Do you just know that, that when, when, when you go back over here, and it may not be a magazine, maybe you pull out your phone, you're, you, you see all this, the messages of this world. These are, this is where you need to look. Look over here. There's just no hope here. Throw out these mirrors. They are worthless. You don't need them. You don't need affirmation from people. You don't need their opinions. You don't need cultural success. You don't need better circumstances. You have a better hope than that. Jesus sets all things right in your life. But it's not just a personal reality. He actually sets all things right in the world. It's also a cosmic reality. Look at verse 10. He says, this is a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. So he kind of backs up for a minute. This isn't just about you and your personal life. That's awesome that Jesus does that. But we're going big picture here. How many of you know that our world is in chaos? You realize that? Uh, did, did you check the news this morning? I know some of you have got to get our news fixed. Uh, some of you have checked the news. Does that make you feel full of hope and encouragement and goodwill toward men? Is, it, is that the way the news makes you feel? No, it doesn't. Why? Because when we look in our world, we see this world is in, it's a mess. Our world is in chaos. And we see wars and disease and slavery and human trafficking and hatred and violence and racism and disasters and hunger and tragedies. And man, it's just, it feels hopeless, doesn't it? And sometimes this hits pretty close to home. Some of you, when you look at your life right now, you, you're, looking at, you're looking at pain and hurt. And it's not because of a direct sin on your part, but it's because you're living in a sin-cursed and broken world, right? And a doctor can wreck your world with a little word like cancer. Or a loved one could be ripped away by the enemy of death. Or someone might actually even wish for death because they're living under the weight of shame from abuse. I mean, you only have to live long enough to realize and to be confronted by the chaos in this world. And the thing that drives us nuts, the thing that haunts us is that we can't find hope of a happy ending. We can't count on the government to fix it. Science won't solve it. Technology can't turn it back. Going green's not going to stop it. Throwing money at the problem doesn't make it go away. And even the religions of the world, they only irritate it. Everywhere we look, we see no hope except for right here. Right here in the mirror of God's Word. There's one that can fix it. There's one that can set all things right. And what we realize is there, there was a plan. And there's always been a plan that Jesus will set these things right. Look what he says. He says that he's going to unite all things in him. That, that idea is the idea of summing up, like what's the point of the universe? It's kind of like if you took a thousand piece puzzle and you just scattered it across the table. You look at that, you're like, man, that's chaos. And yet I know that there's some, there, there's some design in there. So, so, so what's, gonna, what's the point? Who's going to set all things right? Who's going to put the pieces of this universe back together again? Who is it? And the answer for us is, it's Christ. And so what should we do? I, I know that most people are kind of freaking out and losing their minds right now when they look at what's happening in our culture, in our country, in our world. I read the people that are like trying to cross into the border of Canada this week. I mean, literally, people are losing their minds. But instead of, instead of crying about it, instead of whining about it, instead of freaking out, instead of posting about it, instead of getting angry about it, what do God's people need to be doing? 
but we need to be praying about it. Remember that? Because we, we studied that a few weeks ago when we were in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, what's one of the things that we're praying? Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. You know what we're praying there? That's acknowledging, you know what? This kingdom, this world is a mess. Your kingdom is right. And we want that here. And so we're praying for that day where Jesus is going to come and he's going to set all things right. That There's a not yet component to that. We're eagerly anticipating when he comes and every knee will bow and we're looking forward to that day. And yet, there's an already in his kingdom because his kingdom is already here. We are the kingdom of God where we bow our knees and we want more to bow and submit to his lordship because we realize his kingdom is the answer. And so we keep praying, but we also spread this kind of hope. We spread this hope by engaging in our community, in our world, because we want to see every corner of our culture and this globe under the rule of Christ. And so um, we've, we've kind of shared with you this year, we're going to start engaging. We've got a local outreach team we put together, and we're going to start engaging in community service. Why would we do that? Why, why, why are we interested in that? Well, we want to seek the welfare of our city. We want this to be a great place to live. And we know that the values of Christ's kingdom can bring healing and can bring hope even now. And so we don't throw up our hands like, oh, this world is just a mess. I can't wait for Jesus to come back. Yes, we can't wait for that. But we engage now, spreading this hope, knowing and believing that the message of this gospel can make an incredible impact in Northern Virginia, even now. You believe that? We want his kingdom here. If you were to go to the city of Ephesus today, you could go to modern-day Turkey. Um, you could see the ruins of uh, Ephesus, and you'll see this right here. This is the Fountain of Trajan. Uh, this is, or used to be, a, uh, a large statue of the Roman Emperor Trajan. If you'll notice, there's kind of this uh, globe right here, and, and that would have been lower at his, at his feet, and it kind of repre represented his might and his global rule, his global power. But do you notice what's left of the statue? That's just his foot right there, broken off. Any earthly attempt to bring unity and to restore peace and to give hope apart from Christ has and will fail. But Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians so that they will know that Jesus is the rightful king and only his rule can and it will give us a joyful ending. Hey, lift up your head. We have hope. Jesus sets all things right. So here's another reason that we have hope. The Holy Spirit seals our inheritance. The Holy Spirit seals our inheritance. I know some of you are like, man, now you're talking. Show me the money. That's what I want to talk about. Well, actually, it's a little better than that. Uh, but you see it in verse 11. In him, in him, we have obtained an inheritance. And the idea there is that you will uh, receive a portion by lot. And it actually could be referring to us that we are God's inheritance because he chose us, that we belong to him. And yet we know that we will receive an inheritance. If you look at the, the, the last part of verse 14, 
But we're going to get this inheritance when we acquire possession of it. So do you know what's coming? Do you know what you have in Christ? Hey, listen, be careful what you hope for. Because if your hope is some flimsy, like, man, I, I really hope I get that promotion, or I hope I make some more money so I can afford that house, or, man, I hope we can go on that vacation, or I, I hope I get that job that I really want, or I, I hope my kids are successful. And it, it, Listen, if that's the basis of your hope, then you are setting yourself up for some massive disappointment and confusion. Because most of you know that even if you got those things that you were hoping for, ultimately they're not going to bring satisfaction, they're not going to bring security, and you're just going to end up hoping for something else because the grass is always greener. And so we don't, we don't put our hope in earthly circumstances or in the treasures of this world, but we know what God has given us. Uh, this whole section, look at verse 3, go back. These, this is, Paul's just, again, he's diving into this and just exploring the riches of what we have in Christ. In verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. There it is, in Christ. Don't forget that. This is what you have in Jesus. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have Him, and we have the riches of, of heaven, the glories of heaven. That's a treasure worth finding. It's not going to rust. It's not going to fade. It's not going to spoil. It can't be lost. It can't be stolen. Why do we have this? Well, because uh, he says we have been adopted as sons, verse 5. So we get the family inheritance. You say, uh, like, I want to be a part of that family. How do, I, how do I make sure that I'm part of that family? Like, is that... Is it possible to know? And can you have confidence? Can, can I know that I have an inheritance? Or is it just like, man, I hope that happens, but I'm not really sure. Well, look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth. How many of you have heard the word of truth? How many of you heard the gospel? You heard that? Okay. And then those of you who have believed in him. Now, how many of you have believed in the gospel? Well, then here's your reality. Look at it. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Do you know that? And most of you know that in the ancient world, this seal was a, a wax seal made by a signet ring. And it, it, it put some security there on a letter that they would send out. And it also gave the authority here. When you believed, God gave you his Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that's sealing your inheritance. He's protecting it. He's assuring it. And he's authenticating. Last night, I went on Ticketmaster because uh, my son Judah scored his first bucket in his basketball game. We were super excited about that. And so I wanted to reward him. So I went on Ticketmaster last night and, and I bought some wizard tickets for a couple weeks. I'm going to take him to the game. But the problem is I don't have those tickets right now. I paid for those tickets but I don't have them in my hand. But I'm not really worrying because I got a, I got a email receipt and the confirmation. I got, you get one of those little codes, you know what I'm talking about? So even though I don't have the tickets in my hand, I, I have this confirmation, this code. I can just go up to the window and, and I'm going to be assured I, I've got them. They're mine. I'm going to be able to get in. I'm not freaking out that I'm going to lose that. I mean, think about I know that's kind of a silly illustration, but what, what would it do to my little man if we showed up at the game and we didn't have that kind of confirmation? Well, the Holy Spirit is your confidence and confirmation. And there's no chance that the barcode won't scan when you're checking in. And verse 14 says that he is the 
guarantee of our inheritance. That word guarantee uh, literally could mean down payment. Literally, God has paid some money. He, he, he's not backing out on this deal. He's all in. And just to give you some confidence, he's like, here, have my spirit just so that you know that all these promises, they're coming, man. So if you have the Holy Spirit, then your inheritance is sealed. It is guaranteed. And that is reason for hope. Pastor James McDonald has kind of defined hope this way, that hope is the confident expectation of better days ahead. Not like, I hope that's going to happen. Wishful thinking. Confident expectation. Hey, do you know that you have better days ahead? I know some of you have been going through some dark days. I don't know how long your nights have been. But God's Word wants you to know, you have awesome days ahead. He is coming again, and your inheritance is guaranteed. I know many of you are in your minds right now thinking, okay, how do I, that's great, but how do I know that I have the Holy Spirit in me? I want to check the phone and make sure that I got that confirmation. How do I know? How do I know? Well, look at verse 12. He says, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Have you put your hope in Christ? We are those who, verse 13, have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and we've believed. Do you know that if you have heard the gospel and you have believed, and you've put your faith in Jesus, that is evidence that the Holy Spirit is alive and working in your life. Because even your faith is a gift from God. You could not believe if you did not have His Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit. They're, they're folly to Him. So it's only those who have the Spirit who look in this mirror and see Jesus and put our hope in Him. And so if you're looking in this mirror and you see that you are in Christ, lift up your head. We have hope. Jesus sets all things right. And the Holy Spirit has sealed our inheritance. And it doesn't matter how trying, how difficult the days are right now. It doesn't matter how chaotic your world is right now. There are better days ahead. That's the hope of the gospel. Father, thank you that you have given us your word and this promise that we have received a truth that we can hold on to. And I know that we've had some dark days. I know that we've had some long nights. But you give us hope. I pray that we would not despair. I pray that we would not look to other mirrors to try to find out who we are and to understand our identity but we would look to You. We would know You chose us. You love us. It has nothing to do with our performance. Praise God. And we have exciting, thrilling days ahead because our inheritance is sealed. We look forward to that day. May Your kingdom come and Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We give You the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, hey, church, we have hope. That's who we are. 
We have hope in Jesus. And the crazy thing is we, we have this hope in the gospel, but he's also uh, sending us out. And we have a mission to take the hope of the gospel to the nations, all right? And, and so the way we do that, we want to fulfill the Great Commission so that we're glorifying God. The way we do that is we, we want to do that here. We want to make disciples and share the hope of the gospel. But we also plant churches around the world so that those churches will take the message of the gospel, which is why I love being a part of Harvest Bible Fellowship because we're on mission together. And I shared with this, this with you a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to ask Rich to come on up here. Um, Rich and Christy Scheip are in the process right now of planting a new Harvest Bible Chapel in Ashburn, and I want them uh, to get a chance. I wanted him to be able to come and share with us a little bit about them. I love this man, and I'm excited about what God's doing in his life. I want you to fall in love with them, and we're excited their family's here with us today, and I've asked him to just kind of share just a little bit about the, their family, as well as why Ashburn, and then how, how might we yeah. be a help in this process. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. I was just so encouraged to be with you all and worship with you all and open God's Word. I mean, it's just such a feeding, building experience to be um, here with you all at Harvest Bible Chapel, Fairfax. So my name is Rich, and this is my wife, Christy, and we've got our three girls that are in the service. Um, the oldest is Emma. She is 17. Rachel is 16, and Allie is 15. Then our two boys are in uh, Harvest Kids right now. Aslan and Mackinson, and they're biological brothers that we adopted from Haiti uh, a little over four years ago, um, and uh, they are just incredible energy, and on the way over here, we were talking about just the distinction of their two personalities, just so different. Aslan is a rule follower. He is a guy that has to have all the information. He asks a, a thousand questions because he needs to know, so he feels like he's in control, and then Mackinson is the kind of kid who just, he could care less. And he'll also, he'll do exactly what he wants to do. He's not going to be bound by any kind of thing. So it's, they are so much fun. They also uh, um, both uh, trusted Christ, um, both believers, and uh, got the opportunity to ba baptize Aslan a little over a year ago. Uh, Mackinson, we're not ready to baptize him just yet, but um, he, he professed faith, and I think we've seen a little bit of the fruit in his life. But, so it's just been an awesome experience there. So God has laid it on our heart to, to plant a church. We are from western Loudoun County, actually. Um, my wife and I both grew up out there. Uh, I was in Lovettsville, if you know that area. Uh, my wife in Percival. Um, we were part of actually a church that started out there in Percival called Blue Ridge Bible Church. And uh, we grew up in that church. And um, I did a lot of other things as a career. And then uh, about nine years ago, God called me into ministry. And I started on there as an associate pastor. And then just over time, just felt God's call towards planting. And then after we got the adoption done, and uh, God just started to open some doors and really lay in our hearts to, to start that process. And then God opened doors for us at, through uh, Harvest Bible Fellowship. And we got accepted about this time last year, actually, to go to the trainings here in Chicago. So we sold everything, that, that, uh, the house, all those kinds of things, downsized big time put all our stuff that we kept in a storage unit, and then left Virginia for Chicago, kind of with an open heart for, God, where are you taking us? And we, we didn't know where. And then as um, time went, uh, as we were there in Chicago this past fall, um, the opportunity started to open for us to come back to this area. And there's a lot of reasons that it made sense for us from a practical standpoint 
just culturally and knowing the area and having lots of relationships already. And then also God opened some neat doors through McLean Bible Church, who uh, just this last year, uh, about a year ago, again, about this time, uh, started a new uh, effort to, to help church planting in the Washington, D.C. metro area. And um, so it's been awesome to see how a huge church that God has used in big ways uh, has, has oriented itself towards we need, to, we need to use the resources that we have to see lots of gospel-preaching, Bible-preaching churches established in the Washington, D.C. area. So those kinds of doors were opening, and then God just confirmed in a lot of ways that, that Ashburn was the place. If you know that area, it's just exploding with growth. Um, they're about to, um, well, they've already started construction on the, the, the final two stops of the Silver Line. Um, so uh, by, I think by 2019, those are going to be open. I've got a friend who works for the county government out there, and he said that in the next 15 to 20 years, there's going to be 100,000 more people uh, right in that area. Um, so, and there, there are some churches, but not many, actually. And uh, so I think there's a strategic opportunity there. Um, and so we're excited um, to, to be a part of this. It's been awesome to feel the love and encouragement that we've gotten from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. Uh, and then we spent a month in, in, in Lancaster, Harvest Bible Chapel in Lancaster, and then the relationship I have with uh, Jeff and then Dan Hammer over in Annapolis. Um, the love that we felt from, from Blue Ridge Bible Church that, that sent us as well. That love is propelling us towards the direction that we really believe God's leading us in. And, and, and I, I appreciate your message because there's so many times that I, I don't look in that mirror. I look in something else to try to find confidence and put my hope in something in myself to achieve this impossible mission. But I can't do this. Only Jesus can do Amen. this. And so I have to put my hope in him. And so I want to also ask you all to pray for us. Um, and that's going to be probably one of the most significant things you can do for us is just pray that God would lay it on the hearts of the people in Ashburn that God's calling to help us get this going. We need to build a core. Um, we hope that we can launch by this fall, um, but we need people. So, so pray that God moves in the hearts of people, that, that they will see a vision and a passion. Um, you know, again, opportunities with, with, with like McLean Bible Church, there's people that are driving significant distance. Help them to see a vision for a community church that can reach the people in that area and, and then be a church planting church as well. Yeah. And um, so pray for us in that way. Uh, we're, going to, we're, we're trying to find a home. There, we're going to see a house this afternoon that looks promising, so you can pray for wisdom in that regard. Um, and then also you can help connect us to people. You might have friends, you know, believers that you know in that area that um, maybe should come check us out and consider joining our core team. So maybe you work with someone that lives in that Ashford area uh, or, or you've got a friend or, or a family, whatever. Help connect us. So we're just trying to work all the networks we have to, to meet people, sit down with them and show them a vision of what, what we want to do. You all know what a Harvest Bible Chapel is all about in terms of the vertical focus and the four pillars. So you can help pitch them on the idea of what we're trying to create. Um, so we're going to have vision meetings and all those kind of things for people to come and hear and learn about it. Um, don't just give me their names. Contact them and, and, and let them know about it and, and ask them if it's okay if I contact them or if they'd like to call me 
But if you go to our website, which is harvestashburn.org, um, you can get my contact information, and um, you can refer people that way. So pray for us and help connect us. Um, thank you so much for just everything you guys have done for us, and we're, we're feeling this encouragement. We're going to see you uh, from time to time, um, and we would love to connect and meet with you. Um, we'll just hang around here uh, after the service, and, and we'd love to say hello. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, listen, um, I love what God is doing, and, and I want you to help. I wanted Rich to be able to come and, and do this early because you need to shake the trees, okay? Get your phone out right now. Go ahead. Get your phone out. And uh, go to harvestashburn.org. Save it. Bookmark it. Start texting. I know you have connections. I know you have somebody. If you know anybody that's in that area, we want to help. Um, we're, we are going to be doing whatever we can to help this church get off the ground, and we're just excited to be partnering with them. Uh, so what I want to do is I'm going to pray, uh, but then we're, we, we're going to pray that God works, right? We believe that. So why don't we stand together, and let's just pray for this family. If you get a chance afterwards, come meet them, and we're just going to celebrate together. So let's pray for them right now. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you promised that you are building your church, so we pray that you'd be faithful to that promise. I pray that you would, even right now, give, give the shipes wisdom as they go, and they're looking for a house, they're looking for a place to live, they're looking for people to connect with. Would you even help us to have some connections? Uh, Lord, we want the right people to come and to be a part of this, that you would build your church, you would get the glory. Thank you that we can trust you. Would you work, God? We're expecting and we're excited and eager to see how you are going to grow, and grow this family and, and grow this church so that we get this glorious message of the gospel. We have hope, and the world needs to hear it. This area needs to hear it, and I pray that you would help us to be faithful to that, but we're praying that we would be fruitful, that we would see more coming to know you and to love you. Not for us, not to us, but to you be the glory, and we give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.